You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, we have Lou, the solution, Moreno. Jeez. Very nice. <laughs> well, what is the solution? I don't I don't know the how to make your... a Jersey Shore callback though. Like Cooley Hoo! I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You wanna do that one more time? No, <laughs> we can keep that. And then today we have a very, very special guest, our good friend, master of the mixing engineers, Bob. Not the master of mixing, the master of mixing engineers. <laughs> the master of mixing engineers. Why can't he be the master of mixing engineers? The ma- Nobody told I was, you he I was couldn't not be. To, I was trying not to confuse mastering engineers, so mastering mix, mastering mixer works too. Bob. Right. Bob. Everybody give a round of applause. Everybody give him a nice horn announcement. <laughs> yes. I prefer <laughs> golf claps, you know. Yeah, Actually, yeah. would you like some snaps? No. We can just do like a one clap. It's like <laughs> half a song. How about a cheers? There you go. And uh, shout Boom. out to um, Bob's <laughs> assistant, Shaq, for the Topo Chico. Cheers. Yeah, cheers to you. I'm Thank being you. a rebel. Yes. You got See, the, okay, let me explain this dent. Really See this dent here? This is the patented Bob Horn thumb grip that I've done for about a decade now, and I've never dropped a beverage, a canned beverage, since I've been doing this. Yo, when I'm drinking, that, I'm going to do that. that. That's a secret. That's one of the secrets. You shouldn't have shared that. No. <laughs> Yo, he's, he's plotted against us with the help of Shaq. He gave us something we couldn't put a bend in. <clears throat> he's expecting us to drop it. I see you, Shaq. Oh, this is good. This is good. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. 
One, because I found out recently, well, relatively recently, that Bob actually has a really goofy side and that we love that about him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're always goofy, so this is going to be a good episode. So we're going to ask some kind of questions. We're going to ask questions to Bob, and hopefully Bob can answer them and kind of give some insight. Or not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kind of like from your perspective, from your experience, um, kind of what you what you kind of expect or what you've kind of seen, what you've learned. You have a lot of experience, uh, a specific experience within the Is this the, the question realm. or is this... <laughs> no, this would be a long, long intro to this. You have a lot of very specific experience within the pop mixing realm mm. that I think everybody would like to kind of tap into. So we're going to try to suck some information out of your brain okay. of all the information that you gather. But the first thing is, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about um, your journey, because you've been mostly in the box and hybrid, your journey going from analog domain out of necessity into choosing to go more hybrid and digital. What, what was that like? Well, yeah, so I got out of school in like 98, and then uh, it's kind of professionally engineering in the industry by like 2001 or 2000 somewhere in there and uh yeah consoles were still a big thing especially nashville the mig the migration to pro tools was kind of slower than california i don't know about other places but nashville everyone was still reel-to-reel -reel tapes whether it was digital or analog and then uh you know atari radar like weird mm -hmm. formats like that and uh occasionally analog and um Definitely desk, you know, Neves, SSLs, all that stuff. So, and in the school, of course, we had that. So I learned all the SSLs and Neves and all those boards and then assisted on them and then worked on them for a while. And then I'd say once I got out here and I was working in like R&B, hip hop, stuff like that, probably that lasted like the big studios with the big boards probably till like 2007. And then at the same time, the industry was kind of changing. Um, everyone started that was calling me. They used to call me and say, hey, where do you want, where do you like the mix? And I started getting the, the, the call, do you have your own setup? And I think that was budget related because, you know, the economy kind of suffered 2007, 8, the housing market, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think budgets were lower, so they were asking, do you have your own spot you can mix? And I, I had to keep saying no. So they would then ask me, like, well, what are your places you like to mix? And then I would have three different budgets of places, you know, like Pacifique or Record Plant or this, whatever, you know. Mm. So I had different ranges of SSL rooms, you know, to fit their budget. Mm. But I kind of saw the need to have my own studio. And uh, I got my first Pro Tools rig that wasn't well, basically an HD rig. Um, I had, like, the Digio 2 back when mm. they were called Digidesign and all that yeah. before Avid. And then... Uh, I got my own like big boy Pro Tools rig in 07, and I also got my first room. So I was leasing a room where we put an SSL, and we just, the guy that helped me do it, it was his building, and we combined gear, and we just made this mega room, mix and tracking room with the SSL. And um, I worked there for like three years, and occasionally I was still going to other studios, but not much. Once I had my own room, like everyone would come there and work with me. And that was very hybrid so lots of in the box lots of plug-in but also splitting everything out to the ssl lots of outboard gear 
recalls would take an hour and a half. Yep. And that's what that was the big problem was people started to work in the fashion where they don't come to the studio and hang out for 12 hours. You mm. print the mix at the end of the night. And then if you want to come back to it, you got to pay 1500 bucks for a recall for the studio. And then you have mm. to pay an engineer's fee and all that stuff. They wanted to get away from that. So I would send them the mix sometimes by email. They wouldn't even show up. Yeah. And then like three days later, they'd be like, okay, turn the snare down. And it's like, okay, I have to plug in the patch bay, all this outboard gear, set all the knobs on the mixing board, set all the outboard gear. And to do that accurately, you have to like video everything. And I'm yeah. talking to myself on the video to give have mental notes and calling out the patches. And it was taking like an hour and a half to pull up a song. So mm. I would pull up a song, make the adjustment, send it. And now I have to get back to what I was working on that day, which was a new mix. Or I'd have two people ask me to do changes. Mm -hmm. So two recalls while doing a new mix. So it was, wow. it was messing up the schedule. So I thought of different ways, talked to different guys. Some guys were doing stems and then any recall would be off the stems. And I didn't really like that because you lose control mm -hmm. over adjusting a vocal or, you know, uh, you know, some, you have to basically work on top of that once you make stems. And um, I was doing a Usher album or like five songs of an Usher album. And the last song was like acoustic guitar, percussion, some vocals, not much else. And I just decided to do it in the box. All the rest of the four songs were on the board with Albert Gear. I did it in the box, except I think I had a vocal chain, like compressor, EQ, DSer. And I actually liked it better than all the other songs, mix-wise. Nice. So once that was over, I had to go back to a country album, and I'd mixed half of the album. So I had to mix the other half. And I decided, because it was... I mean, this might be bad, but because it was a, a independent artist that was not well known, this would probably be her first unknown album. And then if she, if she had success, you know, she would get bigger later. That's usually how it goes. So I decided to do the second half in the box and kind of take that risk. And if it if I fell on my face, I would just, you know, on the second song, go back to normal. Yeah. But I did it in the box and I liked that better than the first five songs. Even after mastering and done, it's like it had more of the things I was had in my head. What was I was, it like a workflow thing at that point? Well, not only that, but was also like less noise floor sonically. And all, that? Yeah. Oh, all kinds of stuff. Okay. But also, and this is the funny thing, because people say analog is wider and deeper and mm -hmm. more defined and everything, and I had the opposite experience. And that could have been my console, whatever, my thought process, um, the conversion, who knows. Um but I actually liked it better. So the coming weeks after that, I, we just I would always A B. I would mix a song in the box, and then after I got a good rhythm section going, I would start splitting it out on the SSL, pushing all the faders up. And it's like it lost something. So now I would hold Option, put everything back to one and two, hit play. It's like ah, oh, that's better. And hmm. I was like maybe there was something else that I wasn't taking the time to make sure, but I felt like I had to start digging in on the analog EQs to get it back. Yeah. So I, I went in the box, and the SSL became a volume knob for the last my last couple of years at that studio. And then when I came over here, uh, we sold the SSL, and we made this place just uh, an in-the-box place with the outboard gear for preamps and tracking and stuff. And I, I mixed completely in the box for many years. And the last couple of years, I've started to go hybrid. 
And there's some analog pieces that I just found have great character. Mm-hmm. And I've now added a summing mixer in the last, like, month. And Shout out to Rupert Neve. Yeah, Rupert Neve, cool the one. new summing mixer, the Orbit. Yeah. And um, I kind of found, you know, some of the things people say, like the separation, the width, the detail, and uh, the ability to kind of push an analog circuit harder and uh, before you clip the digital, you know. Yeah. So. There's there's some benefits that I'm kind of rediscovering, and I don't know if it's, you know, your taste and your ear changes over time. And uh, maybe it's yeah. the concept of, uh, you know, how they say, uh, with uh, with time it gives uh, perception. Uh, maybe maybe at the moment uh, in the box coming from an SSL because that that's also a big thing I've always said. Like consoles are great, but there's also a lot of variables involved. Like, yeah, we we don't know what it is, but sometimes. You do a recall, and the next day the power isn't actually running the same. Yeah, because of that this console just doesn't sound the same. Exactly, it, it can literally just be electrical difference from one day to the next. Yeah, uh, maybe there's more consumption going on throughout the rest of the building. Could be, could uh, be. So maybe that actually gave you the consistency. But now that you're like listening to it with fresh ears again, you know, after so long, like now maybe it's like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so. I have another question for you here. So just to also to put it into perspective, um, I should have said this much earlier, but Bob has worked with many, many artists, many names. Uh, you said Usher. I know you've worked a little bit with Akon, BTS, one of my favorite, Neo, Lupe Fiasco, a bunch of big names. Uh, BTS being like a more recent one and that you've got great recognition for. Um, I think you recently worked on some pretty cool records that people will be hearing soon too. Mm. So if oh, you yeah. guys keep up on what he's been working on, you'll see some pretty cool artists coming up. Yeah, and we're at Bob's studio right now, the Echo Bar <laughs> Studios right now in Los Angeles. And uh yeah, so can you I would like to learn more about how you've seen music culture change. Especially as technology has changed. What have you seen as far as like mixes, like culturally, like right now? Like when Stevie Wonder was mixing, the hi-hats were really loud, you know? But how have you seen culture change in different genres coming up to this point? What is the state of 2021? So we're talking from a mixing aspect? From a mixing aspect. Mixing aspect. Um, man, I, I don't know. There, there's guys that set trends and producers that set trends that mix engineers kind of follow. And... um. I don't know as far as things like that, like hi-hat level. I think that was personal taste of Stevie thinking the hi-hat is important to the groove. And then maybe other people follow it just because they don't know why they follow it or they don't know if that's the reason because of the groove. But they just know Stevie Wonder did it, so let's push that up. You know, it's like, uh, what was it, 2017, the weekend? I don't remember when his first album was actually probably before that, but... Uh, you know, lots of verb on the vocals, and oh, then yeah. it seems like everyone yeah. starts following that trend. Post it's like did it, yeah. you need to have lots of reverb on your vocals. Man, the so Tory it's like, Lane's reverb. Yeah, yeah, so it's like okay, now we're doing that, and then another artist pop, does something that's popular, and then so we follow those trends. And I think that's kind of always been a thing. And that's I know you guys as engineers, you get clients that come in, and they're like, oh, can we do such and such like so and so? Like they want. You know, they want that side stick from the Rihanna song. You know, they want that Ariana Grande delay that's on something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people follow, which is nothing wrong with. You kind of stay current and you do, um, you know, you, you just do popular things and that works for your music because you're trying to have the same audience. And there's other people that are kind of forward thinking 
and they try to imagine what things will be like in six months or a year. And uh, there's other people that do the opposite. Like Dave Pensado always does the opposite. So if if delays are, are not popular, he's going to use delays. If reverb is really popular, he's going to go dry. You know, it's like there's people like that. And there's other people that just do what they like to hear and they don't know why they're doing it. They don't put much thought into, well, this is the trend or so-and-so is doing this. They just say, I like this. I'm going to do this. And then if they become popular, they set a trend without even trying to, you know. Mm. So. I think, honestly, that's more along the line that I subscribe to. Because mm. um, I've told DK in the past, like, I don't listen to radio much. I, I think a lot of people in our industry don't because usually what's, what's the on radio? the radio. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? A lot of times what's on radio is something that either us or our colleagues have worked on already maybe a year ago. Yeah. You know, uh, depending on release dates. Nowadays, like, music's getting released much faster. Mm-hmm. But... You know, if we're talking about trying to set a new trend or something or trying to stand out, following anybody's uh, already made equation will either help you fit in a little bit easier or can just drown you in the process. Yeah, I feel like when artists especially follow other artists like to the T, it, it's a big mistake. It's because yeah. you're 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 not yourself anymore. You know, like I, I've had artists, I have had groups that. They, uh, they want me to compare our mix to something else, and it's like there's no rhyme or reason other than that guy is successful, that, that artist is successful. Yeah. Let's make it sound like that because then that part of the equation is is done. And I get that, but they're not – there's no – as far as at least the mix and the sonic aspect of the record and them as an artist uh, there's no uniqueness to it. Yeah. You know? So that's why you get – you know. Uh, when when people say oh everything on the radio sounds the same nowadays yeah that would be why you know like same beats same you know and even using the same guys same producer same mixers like try someone new you know yeah so we do have uh, a large group a, a very diverse audience that listens to us but i think um this is a very basic question but i'm sure you get asked this a lot so you've given this a lot of thought um from a beginner's perspective what is some advice that you have for those trying to do more with music? Trying to be what? Trying to do more with music. Oh. Whether they're engineers or producers, what's, what's kind of like your, uh, some advice for the beginners? Just trying to do more? Just. Yeah, like kind of do, take music more seriously. Kind of like oh, okay. level up their yeah. skills. Um, practice, man. I mean, practice is everything. It's like. I think there's a big disconnect between today's producers, engineers that are trying to learn their skills and musicians that are trying to learn their skills. When you want to play guitar, the only way you're going to get better is by practicing. And a lot of people think they can watch a video or a tutorial or, you know, something like that or find out some plugin. And then that'll be like a check mark, like like they're good now. All they, they do that every time they're fine. But a guitar player, you know, they have to play over and over again. You know, when they're learning a song, they got to play it over and over again. And that's just the way it is. And that's the way mixing is. That's the way production is. You know, if you ask anyone who's been doing it for a while, whether they like their mixing now or 10 years ago, or they like their production now or five years ago, it's always, the answer is always going to be now. It's like, you don't really go backwards with more practice, you know. So I think practice is the key. It's like and and kind of vet your 
your source is where you learn stuff. So, like, make sure you're learning from good people, mm-hmm. good places, If it's whether it's websites or YouTube channels. Make sure the people know what they're doing. And that doesn't mean that they – it doesn't mean that they have the biggest credits in the world. You know, it's like there's, yeah. there's, as far as mixing, there's mixing tutorial sites where every guy has a huge name, but they're not good teachers. Yeah. So it's like just because somebody does their craft well for themselves doesn't mean they're going to be able to teach it to you. Yeah. And that can go with, I mean, I had guitar teachers as a kid that were horrible, you know, mm-hmm. but, but they could, they could jam like crazy, but, to teach me, they had, they didn't have the skill to convey what I needed to know and and mold me into a better guitar player. Yeah. The same thing goes with making beats, everything. It's like practice and listen to good quality people. And you can figure that out by, let's just take YouTube. If the comments are good, there's a lot of subscribers. You don't have a lot of naysayers that are saying the opposite. You know, you can pretty much guess that they know what they're talking about, you know. Yeah. Um that that's Give really interesting because in this is one of the pretty common things that I hear and read in a lot of like success books, success oriented books, is the importance of learning from those that have or are doing what you want. Um, there was some crazy statistic that I read. It was something like almost ninety percent of any seminar about how to achieve your dreams, the person giving the seminar had not achieved that dream themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like a ridiculous amount, and most of the people that have made it, they hire ghostwriters to write the books for them. Uh. So it's like figuring out who you're learning from and getting learning from the source directly, as well as knowing what you want. These are all very important things. For example, like um, if I was an artist, maybe I wouldn't hang out with a mix engineer because I'm not trying to be a mix engineer you know, on a regular basis or try to get as a mentor. Maybe I should hang out with another artist or an um, artist manager, right? Um, and and maybe you're right, maybe not about the credits, like maybe not someone that has been vetted with great credits, although that can help. Um, but more importantly, like the teachability thing, like being able to teach well, I think that's huge. That's amazing. So what about from an advanced level? Like uh, what's the secret sauce? What are kind of people forgetting um, what do you see common mistakes at an advanced higher level? Advanced level, I think mistakes, or just any sort it's of probably. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the the deeper you get into it, the better you have to be with people, mm. and uh, the more re- I mean, relationships become super important. And I learned that late, and I think that was a detriment to myself. You know. So how do you mean by that? Can you, do you want to expand so, a little bit on this? So having having a good attitude in the studio I'll, I'll tell you about myself so whenever i was really focused on engineering and the sound and of course the the earlier i was in my career the more it was all about the kick drum sound and the snare drum sound and the eq has to be perfect and what mic am i using instead of about the music and when you hear like the the guys on top say you know i just listen to the music it's all about the music on there and you want them as a as someone that's learning as a student you want them to say oh well on every acoustic guitar you need to dip 1.2k whatever you know that's not a thing it's like it's about the song and the reason they say that it's not a cop-out answer it's i think it's because when you're learning you want it to be technical so you know what to do so you can have a formula 
and then later when you're when you've learned it yourself and realized there is no perfect formula most of the time then you learn that it's about the music mm-hmm. and uh, uh dealing with people like i used to when i was super focused i would walk around like this you know or be in the studio working like this like i was had this thing in my my eyebrow like i i looked angry and nobody wanted to mess with me no everyone wanted to uh, Bob, hey Bob, is it, is it okay if I? If, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, and I, I would snap out of it, you know. But it's like that. Someone had to tell me that on the side, like, hey, this artist thinks that you're angry all the time, or this or that, and then I had to go, wow, I really need to like look at myself. It's and you like, were just focusing. I was just focused, you know. But it's like being able to hold a conversation in the in the studio, being able to. Be cool. Being able to be likable. Not that you want everyone to like you. You always want to be fair to yourself and stand up for yourself and business and everything. But you don't want to be a bump on the log that's just trying to get through the session. And you don't care if the vibe's right in the studio. You don't care how they feel about performing their music, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I know there's a bunch of engineers that get put off by people that are trying to be too vibey. And... and they're not wrapping their head around that if if everything's comfortable for the artist, they will perform the best. The song will be the best. The song will probably do the best that it could possibly do, minus marketing money and all that stuff. Maybe they don't have that kind of thing. But it has the best chance if the performance is right and the performance will be right if if the vibe has the best chance of being correct. So someone brings in a bunch of candles or they're, they like to smoke weed in the studio or in the booth and – the engineer's like, oh no, no, I don't, I don't want you to do that. It's like, yes and no. There, there's, we don't allow smoking in our studio. Let's just take that example. We don't allow candles in our studio. Two of the things I mentioned, but you got to understand why that makes them comfortable and try to adjust for that. Try to, if you can't let them put candles in the studio for insurance reasons or accidents, uh, then try to help them out some other way. Is there lighting like that you can put up? Is there make sure the air is right? Make sure they have a comfortable place to sit and write their song, you know. It's like thinking about that stuff, which is the boring part. It doesn't have to do with plugins and settings and this preset from this famous producer, you know. It's it's the stuff that makes them more comfortable so they can deliver better. Absolutely, know? absolutely. I This is something that we say constantly on the show is that after a certain point, I think I've said this too, like, it doesn't matter how good my mixes are. What matters and what most people care about is that I'm a damn good hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a certain degree. Like, I can stay focused. I can get focused. And I'm not smoking and drinking with the artist. Mm-hmm. But I know how to... I'm like their best hype man. But you're, I'm sitting yeah, in the chair. You're not making them feel like if they ask you to change something that they're bothering you. Like, interrupting you. No, absolutely you and, not. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think it's like if you can come out of the room making sure that they feel like the you, the engineer, is on their team, you're on their team. Yeah. If you can get them to feel that, then then I feel like that is what's going to make them feel like you're a good engineer. And they'll probably be back. Probably yeah, absolutely, back, absolutely. You know? it, it's so funny. That's It's one of the cheat codes, I feel like, to succeeding. I've noticed this more and more and more. So when you said that, I was just like, oh, yes, please. This is amazing. This is amazing. Lou, what, what kind of thoughts do you have? Um, well, I'm a big believer in, uh, you, you know me, I'm, I'm a guy all about my standards, but my standards are solely based around customer experience. It's all about 
how I make people feel from the moment they walk through the door, the moment they see something, how do they feel? How does it welcome them? The feng shui of the studio. Um, right when they walk into our studio, they see the couch, they see that it's clean, the, the Nintendo Switch is there, something's always on the screen, available for them to play. Um, but you also know me, I'm also a stickler audio engineer. But the one thing that uh, we've had comments before in the past uh, that I'm very proud to say is, even the clients that I've complained to myself a million times over leave reviews saying that he's never once complained when I asked for a revision, for a change. He's always been so welcoming. I always feel uh, at peace. I always feel like I'm the priority, even though I know he has bigger accolade clients. I always feel like he's got me in the forefront. Mm. And that's what I'm always after for my clients. And ultimately speaking, no matter what piece of gear I have, no matter what microphone I use to record them, nothing will ever matter more than that. That's amazing. So I want to take a quick pause right here before we continue and give a huge shout out to our sponsors. So first off, thank you so much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. Oh, yeah. um, if you are interested in getting... Bob, I'm not going to lie to you. I have to ask you, do you use Isotope plugins? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> do you know anybody that doesn't use Isotope? <laughs> just kidding. But My for real, mom, Isotope is engineer. amazing. Oh yeah, you're always using like the um, you're always using the Exciter plugin from Ozone Suite. Yeah, and we were talking about tonal balance control and we were insight. talking about I insight earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, Isotope is amazing. If you want ten percent off any of their products, go to isotope.com backslash mm podcast and use the code mm pod ten to get ten percent off, excluding Spire and monthly subscription. Shaq, write that down. That's right. That's Shaq, right. Save us some money. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, also thank you to FilePass. If you're interested in FilePass, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links, um, and you can sign up for FilePass. It is a file transferring service. It's really awesome. Set of I've paywalls. actually shown that to people like uh, Aviator Keys and DJ Ice, you know, people that work with like Boz and Gunna and Young Thug and all them. And each time one of them sees them, I'm like, hey, look, you can actually, even as a producer, not just as an engineer, but as a producer, if you wanted to do non-exclusive beats where they could just pay to download them and all that kind of stuff yo file pass is actually kind of like the low-key secret and you actually one thing i don't know if we've brought it up you can set up portfolios in it that's so right. as an engineer you can actually send out mixed portfolios with lossless playback there you go so check out go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links and click on the sponsors link and you'll find everything for file pass as well as for isotope and all of our other sponsors uh yeah so on that note we're gonna i mean keep going we could I mean, we have Loudon to thank as well. Thank you, Loudon, for the microphone. Thank you. <laughs> if you're interested in getting a Loudon mic, you can DM me or uh, Lou on Instagram at DKMixes at Midside Sound. Um, if you want lots of love and, and attention and maybe some good advice if you're lucky, Bob, are you on Instagram? You're on Instagram at Bob Horn Mixing. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Bob's also on Clubhouse a lot. I am. Yeah. What, what, is, what, is, uh, what kind of stuff do you see on Clubhouse? Clubhouse is uh, Clubhouse is is reckless and wild. It's it's a, a, the wilder west right now. It's uh, it's just as beneficial as it is poisonous. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a time waster, but good. Like I've learned so many cheat codes, verifications, and I'll come back to that. And and met good people and and new friends from Clubhouse. So. Cheat codes, I've learned about plugins I didn't know about, mm -hmm. settings of plugins that I had that I didn't know about, 
uh, just discovered new things. Um, verifications, just verifying that I was doing something like other people do. Yeah, like, that you're not crazy. Yeah, like hearing like <laughs> how like, somebody just bypass a plugin and think it sounds better. Right, <laughs> but I mean, just take. Uh, I mean, all right, so printing your mix, like how people bounce their mixes, what versions they give to people, like just hearing somebody talk about that, like, oh, well, I include this, 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 and this, and I bounce it this way. It's like, oh, yeah, that's how I've done it for years. I guess I'm not a, d- yeah. a dummy, you know? And uh, and then people, like I've met a bunch of people uh, in person now um, from Clubhouse and uh, people from out of town that have flown in to, to work on something and we meet up for lunch or something. Um so it's a great networking thing. I've I think I've gotten a handful of mixes, uh, like gigs off a of clubhouse. Really, that's cool. Um, but you know, so the clubhouse thing, it's it's all about connecting to Instagram. So if you follow someone, you're listening to them in a room, you can't DM them or anything, and you're like, oh, I want to hire that guy to produce my next beat. So you can go to their Instagram and DM them there, find out more about them, listen to other stuff they've done if they have it on their Instagram. So clubhouse is great. And it's uh, and it has lots of categories of of rooms other than just music. But yeah, I go there for the music stuff. You know, sometimes I get into the chat where like they're like, "Who wants to get flued out?" And you know, I I put my hand up, but I never get flued out. Flown out. Flued. Flued out. Specifically typed out the word flued. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that became a thing, but I'm just flying with it, you know. And I'm trying to get flued out. <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh. So what's I, I don't know what's a this is now it's got me curious what's like the the craziest most radical advice you've received I've on Clubhouse oh because like that for I, me I, I, yeah because like there's one go. that I got there's like oh like I reference Pink Noise for my reference track I like, I might have was I in there that day when probably that was, like that's something that I, I, I hear I every that. once in a while <laughs> like I watch my meters and make sure that the 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 real time analyzer is looking exactly the same so as let, Pink let's noise. stop right so let's, let's let you continue but let's stop right there and just just state to the world that there's not a number that you should put something at on a meter all the time that that's ridiculous because it, if you're working on the same genre all the time and your bass drum is always at the same level maybe but you're not going to always put your snare at negative five peak or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Okay, go on. No, no, that that's all I was going to say. Lou, what were you going to say? What was the funniest one you said? So we were in a room and it was for like advice from the top to the bottom, uh, you know, for engineers. Oh, no. Yeah. So um, from the top to the bottom, this is already a good this room is, name. Um, this is not good. Go mm, ahead. Yeah. But uh, no, it was uh, it was fairly interesting because I, I was like one of the first moderators in it, um, and somebody got into the group like we're like an hour into conversation, and everybody's giving good advice like oh be be conscious that revision counts scare people away, unlimited revisions just implies that you're confident in what you're doing blah blah, blah. you know and everybody's giving solid advice. Then this one guy comes in. I forget what his name was, but I'm really glad I just don't know the guy because this was really messed up. Wild. This is wild. Yeah. Um, somebody asked the question of, you know, as a tracking engineer, I want to become a mixing engineer. What's the number one advice you can give for me to be able to get hired as a mixing engineer for more of the records that I'm recording? Uh, I originally told him, speak up. 
and do as good of a job as you can, like with the rough mix, so that they can be further impressed when they take it to somebody else, and it sounds worse when they touch your rough mix. Uh, this guy chimed in. And he's like, "No, you don't even have to do the rough mix. In fact, this is what I do. I swear to you, I do this every time. Just bypass all the plugins except for AutoTune and bounce that with an L1. That way, when you turn the plugins back on, there's your mix, and you charge them for that." And I was like. That is so fucked up. You you mean to tell me that you it's got like, people paying? It's like actually paying? kind of genius, but also really unethical. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this sounds amazing. Then you bounce it, like secretly bypassing everything. Oh. And then you hand them that, they get in their car. This sounds like shit. Yeah, you got to pay for the mix. Mm-hmm. You oh, paid me to record it, not really mix unethical. it. That's, I wonder, I wonder. I really hope nobody listens. Yes, they do. And I'm really sad to say they do. And they kind of have f- a following f- and I'm not going to say I'm kind of torn on that. I'm kind of torn on that depending on who it is. Yeah, I get I get the logic. Like if if you paid me to repair your car, I'm not going to give it a full detail and polish the whole thing. I came to fix your engine. Yeah. You know what I mean? But a big thing about being able to showcase yourself as a new upcoming recording engineer is showing that you really know what your ears are hearing, right? If you, if you have a lot of uh, rough mixes that have tons of resonance going on, it's really muddy, vocals are too quiet or too loud, like that's just indicative of what you're hearing on the spot for something new. It doesn't build a lot of confidence for, for a good mix. But if your rough mix walking out of the studio goes to a mixing engineer and that mixing engineer does a worse job than your rough mix, they're probably going to come back and be like, hey, can you just give it more of a mix? Like, how much would you charge us for that? Because now they're looking at you as like, yo, the mix engineer can't even match. So let's. This actually might turn into a really good question. One of the most common questions that uh, I think we all receive is, is how do we get more clients? Like that is just like one of the most common questions and one of the hardest to answer as well. Um, Bob, I'm going to throw this to you. What What do you think <laughs> that, when when you get that question? What is your answer? So that that's I don't feel like I'm an expert at that because I I always. Well, I want, I always want different clients, not to say I don't like the clients I have, but I might see like music or a group or an artist that I want to mix for. I'm like, oh, I wish I could work with them. It's like, how do I get that? It's like other than just cold calling. So cold calling and reaching out cold has never worked for me. That always backfires. And, and I've always, so the way I've always gotten gigs is recommendation, word of mouth. And rarely... Because somebody heard something, found out that I did it, and then reached out cold to me. I think I think that's pretty common. Is word of mouth once you're kind of sustained because you're you're definitely not in need of any new clients, but and you have enough people out there that know you and trust you enough to recommend you, and you have a constant flow of incoming clients. But like for someone that doesn't have as many clients, well, kind of like what would you? Accept? I mean, I still do what I'm about to advise that people that are looking for clients do, and that's be. First of all, just just in the background, get your skill up. Like get your, you know, always strive to do better. It's like everything we work on, we want it to be the best, and figure out what that is and how to do it. And it's a lifelong pursuit, I believe. You know, I like what I did this week better than last week. You know, it's um. So the skill, especially when you get to a certain level, the skill is expected. It's like, it's expected that you are good. It's like, how's everything else? Like, how are you as a person all that? But make yourself seen. And it's easiest to do that. Now, before we only had 
word of mouth and album credits. Now, credits have kind of suffered. So that's harder. But we have social media to kind of fill in a little bit of that gap. And we didn't have that back then. So it's like people discovered us either by hearing about us word of mouth or by seeing the credit. Or, I guess, magazine interview or something. But mm-hmm. uh, now you could do a lot more and reach a lot more people faster with Instagram or Facebook or whatever, social media. So being out there, having your face out there, your name out there, your work out there is important. Um, and Creating content. Yeah, yeah, content, you know. And it's that's a thing. And it's... It, sometimes it's going to feel like you're white noise in this sea of people, and you are. But if you have something, you got to gain followers. And if you have something enticing or you appeal to people, it'll it'll work for you, and you'll you'll cut through that white noise. You know, absolutely. Even just this podcast, I feel like it's it's very small in the sense that we only do it once a week, release it once a week. I've just been doing it consistently for coming up on two years now, and it's been the most beneficial thing ever. And you promised that I would get 10 clients from this one podcast. Yeah, so, I, yeah, so you I, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> DK making promises that he's about to complete on his own. Uh, he's like, I will book you 10 times. <laughs> I, think this is a, I think this is a really good place to stop for this episode. Uh, thank you so much, Bob. Um, if people want, are interested in, uh, in working with you, how, what is your way of people hitting you up? Do you have a website? I do, do have a website. Email with, or? So I have a website that has both a contact that will reach myself or my manager. Um, and then Instagram, I get that a lot. And uh, email, my, my email is bobhornmixing at gmail.com. Bobhornmixing um, at gmail.com. But I can be found. Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm What's your website name? Findable. Bobhornmixing.com. Bobhornmixing.com. Everything is that. Now, That's I the other you thing. said you can be found, but was it because of Liam Neeson? Did he find you? He didn't find. No. <laughs> I mean, he has a particular set of skills. He does. <laughs> he does. So, on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. <laughs>so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.